Ladies and gentlemen, grab your drinks and popcorn. Today's feature is about to begin. Welcome to Celluloid Codswallop. Welcome to this week's Celluloid Codswallop. So it's going to be a bit different. I am not joined by my usual cohort of wonderful co-hosts because they're off doing other things. So this week I'm joined by a guest and he's a wonderful guest. I couldn't ask for anyone better. He's an actor, he's a cosplayer, he's a voiceover artist and very soon he may be doing one of his own podcasts. I give you Sean. Hello, Sean. How are you Hello, doing? James. I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for that great introduction. Um, yeah, I'm doing well, surviving, and I'm looking forward to doing this podcast. Very much so. Now, thank I'm you. not going to lie to you, sweet, gentle listeners, Salty Tadpoles, this is the second go-round of doing this one uh, due to weird technical glitches. But you know what they say, second time lucky sometimes even third time lucky, but I reckon we can make this a wonderful uh, like codswallop. Now, for this choice of film, I kind of like bowed to the guest, to the master, in the fact that Sean got to choose this. So I'm going to let Sean do the introduction of what we're discussing. Sean, and before, sorry, before anything, we have had Sean on before. He was a wonderful guest, did the Halloween episode with us uh, from, uh, I think, about a year or two ago, where we discussed all manner of crazy things like serial killers. And interestingly, we're in a criminal vein on this choice of film. So without me babbling on, Sean? We are indeed. Yeah, uh, tell us what we're discussing. Well, I I was itching to do something about Batman the Animated Series, and I thought, oh, how about we do 1993's Mask of the Phantasm, uh, the animated series' first feature film. And uh, um, I think it's safe to say that it's, it's an absolute classic. So thank you for allowing me on to discuss this, James. Well, I, I, to be honest, I was champing at the bit, as they say, to, to mm. do a review of this one. Yeah. Um, against Gemma's uh, <laughs> suggestions that I stop doing as much <laughs> DC reviews. But hey, you know, DC produces some great stuff. So to give a backstory on this, this film, and it is way in my top 10 of favorite films ever. And I actually have it on in the background now, just as little aid to the memory. Um, it came out. Well, in 1992, Batman, the animated series, uh, came out hot on the heels of the Tim Burton Batman Returns film, which had quite a lot of influence on the aesthetics of some of the characters and the stories. Um, And when it was obviously very successful, but one brothers had started doing a what was seen to be a series version television, just show version uh, of this Mask of the Phantasm story. And partway through, they obviously had a look at it and like, this has the potential to be something bigger and better. And the decision was made to make it into a live action film. 
which did put pressure on the people making it, the animators, to sort of change the style a bit. And you do, I think, in parts of it, sort of see the history of where it had been designed to be the TV show. But where I think it really kicks up a notch is just, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at it now, the opening scenes in the scale, they are so much bigger than anything you saw on the, the TV show. And it, it almost steps out of, for me, being a cartoon, which I know sounds strange, um, but the aesthetic, this 1930s design, you know, these great opening lines where it opens on these gangsters and they're sort of like putting illegal money through a casino. He's saying, you know, it almost looks like the real thing, you know, you'd, you know, on the notes. And he's going, you know, you'd have to get a neutron microscope to look at the, uh, the, 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 the Ben Franklin stubble sort of thing. It's so good. I just think it's a brilliant and different style of introduction. Um, and you see Batman in action, you know, it's big, it's powerful stuff and the TV show showed that, but I think the film goes even further. How did you feel about its introduction? I I, I have to agree with you, because in those opening notes of the soundtrack oh, by yeah. the wonderful Shirley Walker, it's... Uh, you, if you had your eyes shut, you'd almost think it wasn't a Batman film. <laughs> because yeah. it was like a... You know, the, the intro, introduction notes to a horror film... But then you hear, you know, the Elfman score and it just draws you in. And those, that lovely mix of the CGI buildings with the painted backgrounds, which shouldn't work, but it does. It just, as you say, it, it steps it up a level and doesn't, it doesn't make you feel like you're watching a cartoon. It makes you feel yeah, like... Cause- yeah, that's interesting because that's something you. Sorry, I stepped over you. Sorry, go on, Sean. Well, no, no, it's just a, it feels like you're watching something other than a cartoon. It, it was an interesting thing you hit upon then when you said about the mixture of CGI, and it is this big. I mean, the shot is. I would love to have seen it in a you know cinema when it mm. came out because I was probably about ten or eleven when it came out, and I'm going to be honest, I knew of the TV show. But it's a bit like when the Transformers the movie cartoon came out when I was a child. I mean, I was fighting to see it, but it's one of these things where I was aware of the series, but I had no knowledge of the film. I have literally no memory of this ever coming out as a film. But when you watch it from the start and you write this huge tracking shot mm. going through buildings and going through what would be like the, the greenhouse on top of a... a um, uh, you know, a, a huge apartment is see is on a computer, and it should not really meld into a cartoon. But by God, it works amazingly. And the way the film sort of moves itself then on to show you the bad guy of the piece who strongly leans towards a character called the Reaper in the Batman Year Two comic books, who is this basically it, it, the character looks like a a ghoul and the phantasm uh, name and like has a scythe and that's taken to a level of sort of violence. Uh, certainly on the way he kills people, you know, yes. and you and I have discussed that the, the first killing of a main character in it. And again, that's the thing you see people get killed in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, heavily implied as well. Like explicitly. So, I mean, even in the opening shot, we get, you know the 
the gangsters uh, having a meeting about money laundering, Ben Franklin stubble. Um, as soon as they get into the nitty gritty, you know, Batman bursts through the glass and, you know, he has that wonderful scuffle where he just takes them out uh, as he does. And then you get that um, great shot of um, Chucky Saw running out of the building into the multi-story car park. And then he meets up with uh, this mysterious figure that is known as the Phantasm, but not in name in the in the movie itself. Um, that that's very true. It's an, I never thought of that, but it's very true. It's a completely unnamed uh, pr- protagonist film. What I also love in this film, and I'm getting up to certain you know looking at scenes, which is great, helping me in the background. It's like you see. The characters in this film that are introduced, it, it pr- primarily focuses on we have Alfred and we have Bruce, who are our known characters. Yeah. But then the people we're introduced to following that, uh, the the big important people are this, you know, Andrea, who yeah. was who is Bruce's love interest in this film, who was very amusingly named after Andrea. Uh, Romano, who was the uh, the voiceover uh, director for this film, like the casting director, and it was partly because Kevin Conroy was saying they wanted to have the ability to have him sort of saying romantic, like "Oh, Andrea," because <laughs> it crack her up during he, recording. He always, every time he says that name, he says it with such feeling, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> But what I also love with this film is that the characters we're introduced to push this forward are not established characters. You know, we have we're Andrea, um, we have Arthur, who's like the city councilman. The, the you know, and the, the people it goes from on this, it's a complete fresh story. And it's we get a really good interesting look at Bruce Wayne in this film because one of the yeah. scenes it cuts to, which to be fair makes me think a little bit, looking at it now, of the way we first were introduced to Bruce Wayne in the Batman 89 film where there's a big party going on, you know, people in dinner suits, which is how we're introduced to it to him here. And it's the play-by aspect, you know, two women falling over him sort of saying, we, you know, you're all alone, let's get married. And a woman who I'm sure is voiced by Arlene Sorkin, who voiced uh, Harley Quinn, Daft says to him, you know, what about the I word? Engagement. I would. <laughs> Engagement. <laughs> but this, uh, and then you see the other element where this woman starts saying, you know, Bruce Wayne basically will wine and dine. Do you think, you know, you think you're the most important, important person in the world? And then he just like dumps you. And then he gets uh, wine thrown in his face. But we then get moved to Arthur Reeves, I think it is, isn't it? Who's the councilman who says to him, you know, you, you, you're a, he's he's primarily been introduced saying you, we've got to do something about Batman and take him down. But he's obviously uh, a high player within Gotham. And he starts saying, you know, you just seem to have no future women. It's like you pick them until we hit Andre. You know, he says until Andrea Bowman, this wonderful woman who turns out we've been introduced to Arthur knowing her in advance. Um, a knife. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's that great comment of, you know, where you can stick it. I mean, these are things when he gives him a, a handkerchief to clean his face. These are things we would not generally expect no. film focus on children. No, no, not, not when you, yeah, at such a young age now, and I think I agree with you, James. Watching it back, 
there's a lot more mature themes in this film than anything else. And uh, yeah, and after after that scene, um, we get um, Bruce going into his study or his room, and it's completely dark, and it's dominated by this portrait of his parents. Mm. And, I mean, uh, I was going to say, do you think Bruce is a billionaire and saves money packed? He never seems to light his house very much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, just, I think he, he just, lights the key parts where the parties, but everything else lights off, no power. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, well, since I've got windows here and people can see through, I'll, I'll put some lights on so they think it's a bit lively. But everything else, I just, I just won't keep up with it. I don't need lights in in my room. Losing uh, <laughs> constant depressed darkness. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's 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 a funny thing with darkness is a key theme in this film, mm. which shows up frequently. Um, mm. And it's when he when he walk, it's obviously dark. Um, I don't know if that's to reflect that. You know, the passing of his parents and the loss of his parents is, you know, a dark chapter. Uh, it it could be that. It's an interesting thing that you just hit on the darkness because the shift we get from that point, mm. we go to a very sunny yes. scene. Now, it's not exactly the happiest of places. Cause it's him laying roses at his parents' grave. But we see Andrea for the first time. She's talking to um, her. her she's, well, she's talking to something. It's her mother's grave, and it's both of them when they were younger. And she's designed to be very beautiful, vivacious, uh, redheaded lady. And she starts saying, "You know, she makes the comment on Bruce that he's this, you know, cute guy, but he's moody." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He was Batman before he was Batman. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. But I've not really thought about that colour and tone shift until you said it as much, that it is his past, although it's tragic with what happened to his parents, and it doesn't give you an origin story because that's been battered to death. Yeah. Uh, but we do, in just like a few words, know that something's happened. But it's that wonderful element of communication where Bruce is saying, well, I don't talk to my grave, my, my parents' grave, but because uh, she's saying, you know, it gives them the ability to think what they'd say. And he says, well, you know, I, I did make a vow to them. Mm. And you do see that dark little bit where he's sort of saying, you know, because she asks him, what's the vow? He goes, oh, a secret one. But I'm, I'm sort of, you know, keeping to it so far sort of thing. And it does touch on that he's this billionaire <laughs> but she says to him, why do you always look like you want to jump off a cliff? <laughs> and uh, and uh, it, was, it wasn't me, mother was asking. <laughs> Which I just think is a great way of doing things. But again, it then changes to the, the weather's gone darker, it's yes. moody. And it, as you said, it's that change to the darkness. Now, the scene we cut to there that I always love is the fact that we see Bruce on his first run as a vigilante and it's got a big leaning towards the batman year one story where he's got a ski mask on and he's going to fight people but he doesn't quite go as it as he has planned 
but it's still a very good sort of action piece. How did you feel about that as the way it was sort of introduced to to to, to Bruce doing things? Because even I mean, I like the fact he gives himself a pep talk, like Bruce, here goes, here goes nothing. I I thought it was a great sort of um, it was it was great to sow the seeds of Batman because it's not he's not he's not fully that character yet he's mm. still learning and um, it's great to see him in that position where he doesn't know what he's doing he wants to stop this truck you know from taking all of these boxes and I love that line when he jumps down and goes you know all right. Hands up. And then one of the gangsters goes, oh, yeah, let's listen to Mr. Kung Fu. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's good. It's the way they do it. As I said, it's this great nod. He also, he has like a sort of prototype utility belt on, but he yeah. launches himself right into the sort of chaos, into the thing, jumping onto a van. You know, a huge articulated van sort of thing, and tries to stop. Then it goes past a squad car, and I am convinced that Harvey the cop Bullock. in the squad car is is a young Bullock. It's Harvey Bullock, yeah. Yeah, when he's starting out. Now he's never named, but he's yeah. with an older driver, and he's um, he's. I'm sure it's supposed to be younger Bullock. So it, it's obviously early on into his career. Now the the cop car crashes. But interesting, we see no aftermath of what happens to the cops. But, I mean, I like the fact you even have um, Bruce using, like, a hammer just to try and break the window and stop them. Mm-hmm. But that whole situation, get you know, even as a few gadgets, of things he throws under the wheels yeah. uh, to, to, to blow the tyres. But it gets even close to, you know, it could have killed him. So he could have crashed into to a building and been squashed by the vehicle. But he, he escapes by the skin of his teeth. And as you said, at that point, he isn't Batman. He isn't that perfectly honed crime fighter that we would expect. Um, and then it, it shifts to the combination. It shows again that change in tone to Bruce the next day. He's made the press because the top out of vigilante and the set that the, I just love, and you and I have discussed this many a time in the past, just talking to each other, the cut, the, 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 the verbal sort of sparring on an amusing level between him and Alfred. It right. is definitely a father son relationship where he's sort of saying, have you considered rugby <laughs> or reconsidered rugby? <laughs> and, um, it, a comment that he says it ties back to his first night of vin- vigilanteism. Um, yeah, it, the fact that they they weren't afraid of him, mm. and so he, he's still he's still got those cogs in his head to try and you know make this character and you know um, make good on this vow that he made to his parents, and then we're introduced to Andrea. Yeah, she reappears on the scene, and I love like the common first comment. Bruce is a billionaire, but there's never his wealth isn't brought that much. But she, you know, as much as you'd think, but she does sort of really sass him. Like, you what have you done? You've hurt yourself. What have you done? Fall some loose cash. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, you haven't rode me three days. I assumed you were dead. Do you always do you always expect every guy you meet to to call you? Those who are smart enough to pick up the phone. And 
it's an element, and I think you touched on this when we last spoke, that she has a bit of being Bruce's equal because they have, you know, she, she pulls a self-defense move on him. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, the, 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 they have a, a, a bit of a, uh, a moment where she sort of saying, you know, Oh, actually you do, you actually do laugh. Um, yeah. and I love that when it comes to like the, the, the scene of them kissing, the, the hit her with a, even though it's a cartoon with a very much of, cause the aesthetic of this film is the thirties. Yeah. The lovely of, shot of her eyes. Yes. And that's a, the lighting shot. Um, and then of course you, you get Alfred coming out. He's going, right. Okay. Oh, maybe privacy. <laughs> Oh. goes back in with his tray <laughs> tray of lemonade and it, again it's gone from the happy shot to this sad moment yeah. of Bruce is in the his study or whatever it is and he has to then go out because Someone some drunk on the piano yeah some <laughs> drunk girls dancing uh, and it, it, I just love the fact that we see the, the ability that Bruce is, as much as he can put up the act of being happy, he's still desperately sad. But we we also, within this film, see the big, and I, I know I keep banging on about this, but that tonal shift to something that isn't as childlike as you would expect in a cartoon film. Because when Bronski, who's one of the other gangsters, he's going to basically, quote-unquote, pay his respects, his respects to... yeah. You know... It's a dark scene. It, it's a night. It's in the cinema, and the and the, the the assumption amongst the gangsters is Batman's killed this guy. Mm. You know, he, and when he goes to Sol's grave, he sort of—I mean, he, he basically calls him a loser, doesn't he? It's not. Re, there's no real respect there. Yeah. You know, he launches down a a, a you know a, um, a wreath with little or no respect. Shall we say? Yeah, it's just. It's 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 another it's another um, it's an it's another element of competition vanquished, isn't it? It's like, mm. uh, and then and then we get the phantasm creeping up on this second gangster. And, uh, yeah, and it's probably the although you see the phantasm introduced in the initially, it's a very short um sort of flash at them this is a bit more prolonged idea of what you're looking at but you know the phantasm always describes himself as i am your angel of death yes you know and uh and i could see that if you were watching this at a certain age this probably would be quite a scary scene to watch mm. um music as well the background music which is quite haunting and the, the Phantasm has like wonderful skills because, you know, Bronski throws like it because he loses the, the edge of like a pickaxe because the Phantasm chops off. He throws it at the Phantasm, but somehow it can go through the Phantasm, which I'm going to be honest, even now, I've never been able to fully understand how that works. But, you know, maybe it's a MacGuffin that we're not, not meant to know the answer to. It's, uh, as they say, it's the, it's the, it's it's the mystery of Batman, isn't it? It's the mm. mystery of this world that we don't we don't need everything to be, you know, chalked down as real and concrete. That's 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 the escapism of Batman, I think. Um, what did you make away the make of the way they kill Bronski though? How many lands in an open grave for goodness' yeah. sake? <laughs> <laughs> 
And, and according to you, James, there was a bit more to that scene that they, well, probably wisely didn't put in because I, I don't know if the, the, you'd lose viewers if you were to sh- shut the grave over. Well, you do see the, what happens is the phantasm pushes a large angel statue onto Bronsky, which kills him. So you start to see coming forward to close the, the open grave. But as I understand it, there were plans at one point to actually see him being killed and crushed. And let's be honest. I mean, I now would welcome that to see the visual, to see the impact. But as they do say, less is more. And I think it will probably scare the bejesus out of children. But then we cut to... Um, the impact this is having on the world of crime, because we probably never ever really think about the the, the things that would, would impact upon the criminals. But uh, we see Sal Valestra, yes, who is probably the greatest advertisement ever to not smoke um, <laughs> <laughs> with his oxygen tank. Um, yes, and that's uh, he's he's reading the paper, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And he's saying like, oh, oh, God, the, um, another one of his crew's been offed, um, which then he, he has a bit of a panic attack, doesn't he? Yeah, um, which leaves him needing oxygen. And then he goes, he has he has a meeting with. Well, you've you've gone ahead of yourself, but uh, are we? Sorry, no. Uh, well, go on. Sorry, Sean. Um, Did you mean Sal or the people having the meeting? He, 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 Sal um, as uh, pulls the councilman aside, doesn't he? Well, he does at one. Uh, uh, going a bit ahead, but like the councilman, there's obviously this concern that Batman is murdering people. So the councilman is saying to the police, "You know, we've got to stop him. It, yeah. you know, he's killing people, basically." And interesting, Jim Gordon says, "You know, I'm going to have no part of this. I walk at him. He yeah, walks he out." Batman's side, isn't he? To be honest, Jim. But Gordon. as I, as I said to you once in the past. I'm not sure Jim Gordon would still have his job if he decided to not <laughs> pursue this. Uh, then um, we get so that that gangster's been offed. We get um, Balestra panicking, and then it. The, do we get a scene with? Well, we we get a scene where Bruce he's already been well Batman's already been doing detective work he's been looking at things and he's oh, back in the graveyard. Okay, yeah. Um. What what I've noticed about this scene is when he's he's analysing the the ground and he finds another vestige of that substance he finds on the windshield mm. at the start of the film. Um, this is in darkness, and he walks. He walks over to his parents' grave, and uh, he is Andrea, and um, she turns around, and he sort of panics and then backs off. Mm. Not, not enough for her not to have seen him, and she very quickly makes the connection between 
you know, um, the way, uh, his parents' grave mm-hmm. and him. So she figures out he is Batman. Um, yeah. That's another, well, it occurred to me earlier that this is kind of Andre going into Batman's world because it's totally dark. And it's another, it's another um, push towards destiny, really. It's like, it's, yeah. it's like, you're it's, right. It's now, you, yeah, you're right on that. It's an interesting thing that, again, it harkens back to their first meeting. Mm. Because she's talking to her mum's grave, saying, you know, the, no one's weeded, everything's going to hell, because it's like her first time back in Gotham for a long time. And you s- then cut to, as you said, she questions Bruce, you know, is this you? She makes the connection. And she's having dinner with Arthur. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, the shot when you cut out of that, because it, it mixes between her and Arthur talking and Batman watching them. He looks um, from. On. Um, um the opposite side of that building. He looks, he, they've drawn him like a gargoyle. Yeah. And he's got that sort of sallow expression. Well, well, certainly when you, cause you see this brilliant reflection mm. where they've drawn it, like a reflection of the image in the, uh, binoculars and Arthur and Andrea hold hands and you see Bruce sort of grimace watching yeah. this, but it, Again, it's that, and it's always that change between. I, mean, I know Batman is a creature of the darkness and whatnot, but when it's when he's Batman and things are, and I know he operates at night, but when he's Batman and he's observing things, it's dark and grim, and it goes straight again back to him having a flashback of him and Andrea when they were saying the twenties or younger at a the world of tomorrow Gotham Fair. And even says, a bright tomorrow filled with hope and promise from all mankind is what the voiceover says. And it's all based on like the 1930s World Fair. And visually, it's, it's like stunning stuff. They even have like a version of the, the Spruce Goose, the, um, the, 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 the Howard Hughes created uh, aircraft. Um, and it's, you know, the, the, it's this idea that they're looking at what things could be and there's hope and there's, yes. there's happiness ahead of them. Mm. And it's at the start of that scene, you see the hands joined together of Arthur and Andrea. Mm. She says like, Oh, how, what things could have been. Yeah. How different things could have been. And then it flashes to the world fair. And then we get, Andrea and Bruce, you know, exploring it, going on the go kart, um, and it just it look it it's every it's in every sense of the word idyllic. Mm. It, it's what it literally is. What could have been, uh, and we also get a glimpse of the Batmobile, don't we? Which we do because she's he's like he's like really taken by, and she's saying. Uh, what are you thinking of? And he's all, oh, you know, future sort of generic, you know, the generic sort of thing. And again, it's that, that the glimpse of happiness, because like Andre goes back to the the uh, the car being driven by Alfred. Yes. And obviously we're both in, and she's saying, my dad wants to meet you. And, he, and Bruce is like, okay, we can do that. And he's like, you know, what, what am I doing? This wasn't like a plan. What, you know, to, he's like, to, to Alfred. But, 
it's that push of what what could happen. But um, mm. when we then get to see it's Carl Bowman, isn't it? Meeting Bruce, he's very nice. He's avuncular. He's friendly. And what I also love with this film, and it's something you and I had discussed previously, is the fact that the they got a hell of a caliber of people to voice this film. And it, this is not belittling voice actors because they are wonderful very very talented people but they didn't sort of draw from an obvious pool of voice actors they got like stacy keach uh voicing you know carl they had um diana delaney voicing andrea uh hart bochner is voicing characters in it you know it's uh it's one hell of i think hart bochner if i remember voices uh arthur arthur reeves in this you know it's these are pretty big actors that you're going to get hold of to do things uh, and I just think it was great the way they said all, all worked and meshed and again you're seeing how everybody intertwines in this as well Every, in the scene worked, didn't it? every voice was just perfect for the character they were playing um, it's just, it, it meshed very well I thought but it's also great when you come to the flashback scene how you are seeing uh, you've got, you know, Dad, Andrea, and then it's all going so well. Carl, uh, sorry, you know, Arthur Reeves is in there as like an assistant, and then who should walk in but a young Salva Lestra. <laughs> Still on the cigarettes with a moustache. Well, I think he, yes, and smoking cigars. But we also get to see Bruce trying to be the good guy again because this man has he's about to get robbed by a motorcycle gang and you see him stepping in as himself and it frankly goes horribly wrong doesn't it horribly wrong that's that's another that's another um another thing that's pushing him towards is his destiny really uh where he, he feels a compulsion you know to defend someone else and you know, Andrea's like, no, leave it. And he's like, no, I've I've got to do something. And when he when he does that kung fu kick and kicks the motorcyclist in the face, it's almost a superhuman reaction, isn't it? It's yeah. like the bat, the Batman is well, the Batman is him. It doesn't matter about the costume. It's like it's it it's that side of him that's itching to get out because you know he he feels that sense of purpose uh, yeah and and things aren't going too badly in the fight you know you seem like jumper onto the bike managed to punch a guy in the face but it starts going wrong for him because he's still got somebody he's got to care about and somebody who's concerned about him which is andrea and it breaks him from the fight and he gets hit with the baseball bat and damaged mm. um and, and can't continue. Uh, just to give credit, the other two wonderful people playing sort of main parts in this are Abe Vigoda and Ephraim Sbalist Jr. Abe Vigoda, who was really one hell of an actor, as was Ephraim Sbalist Jr. I cannot fault either. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal actors, but not people you would ever have equated. And to be fair, it's the same thing with Kevin Conroy. These were never people you originally would have equated with voiceover work, but by God, they are something to be to be reckoned with. And I like how it moves on with the fact that Bruce clearly recognises being a guy in a ski mask or just being Bruce, as good as he is at fighting, he's not going to work. And he starts making costume designs for what will become the Batman and none of it's working. And he's 
he's feeling that he, he doesn't know what to do because he wants to honor his vow, but he also recognizes that he can't have somebody worrying about yeah. him. Yeah. If he's a vigilante. Mm. Which I suppose that's, that's every hero's, di- every hero's dilemma, isn't it? Um, and it's also the fact that Andrea is, you know, she's rung up waiting to speak to him. Bruce is sort of saying, I don't, um, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And that's a very powerful scene, but it then cuts to him at the, going to his parents' grave. And I mean, this is, for to me, mm-hmm. this is powerful, uh, amazing to observe. He's begging his parents, you know, at their grave. You know, I didn't expect to be happy. I didn't see any of this was going to happen. Someone else can deal with this, surely. Um, and I- it is just something to watch i love i love that that line when he's he's hugging the grave the grave the la the rains washing down on his face and he says please i need it to be different now yeah god all right i please tell me it's okay and then we get andrea moving to you know to the back of him she says Maybe that's maybe they sent me. Mm. It's like it is one hell of a mm. it's a, a very emotional, powerful scene to observe. And you've also got to wonder, did Alfred tell her where to go to find Bruce, or did she simply make the decision herself? Did she know him well enough? And then we come from that memory just to the the, the reminiscence that uh Bruce, Bruce has had to we cut back to Alfred watching things, but there's a slight bit of levity at least after this, where Al, uh, you know Arthur Reeves is <laughs> walking along and Salvestre like comes past the car, he's like, get it. <laughs> <laughs> he's had, he's an old man now. He's had these oxygen cylinders in a hell of a state. He's all hunched up and does not at all look well. <laughs> And then, uh, well, we get we get him saying, "Oh, the Batman's gone nuts. He's killing off everyone." And, and, oh, well, and Arthur, Arthur's a bit like, "Well, I don't know. What what can we do?" Yeah, you um, can get police protection. And he's, he's like, "Are you are you kidding me? <laughs> he's yeah. a freak. You'll crucify us." <laughs> crucify me. And then uh, we see this. Sal, Sal goes to a very dilapidated World's Fair um, to meet. Well, just, just prior to that, an interesting little yeah. nod when you're watching this film is when uh, uh, Bruce is trying. Uh, he's in the back cave and he's trying to work out, um, w- yes. you know, where what what's going on with this, and it comes with O'Neill. Uh, the O'Neill is the O'Neill Funding Corp and the Adams Tool and Douch and nods to two people who were heavily involved with the creation of uh, Batman. But that actually works out that Salva Valestra is involved in things. But yeah. my God, the, the again the, the, the thing where Alfred's saying to him, "Well, I assume you know that how does this you know she's back? How does this bode for your alter ego? Will you be seeing her?" And he's like, you think you know everything about me, don't you? <laughs> so the great line of, I diapered your bottom, sir. I bloody well ought to. <laughs> I just love the way he says bloody. I bloody well yeah. ought to. Because, <laughs> again, you don't, you don't expect 
you know, that type of language to be in that film or that British expression, really. Um, and yeah, that's, that's just a great, that's a great scene that. Um, it's it's that again. It's that sort of like it's definitely the father son relationship that Bruce and uh, you know Alfred have, isn't it? But he's going to uh, he's, Bruce is doing or Batman, so he's doing more um, detective work. And I do like that we see a read detective work going yeah. around the apartment, and he he finds like you know a picture of Andrea's father, and yeah. it goes from the dance that to a lovely flashback where we see. Again, it's nice, it's light, it's sunny. Bruce is walking around the grounds of Wayne Manor, which is on the edge of a, must be right on the outskirts of the, the city, because yeah. it's near the coast. Mm. Um, and he basically asks Andrea to marry him. Um, and she, you know, looks, she, she's very touched, she accepts. And then upon the point of accepting, you know, boom, bats everywhere. Bats, bats, another, like, maybe this is... Foreshadowing. Yeah. (laughs) Foreshadowing, yeah. Uh, And that, um, and when she says, like, oh, I I, I didn't, I didn't know whether you were sure, I didn't know whether I was, you know, part of the plan, whether I was, you he says, I'm changing the plan. And, they of course then go to tell you know uh, her father Carl mm. about what's happening and strangely there are a lot of people um, at the house it's late at night and you see a very seedy looking gangster who obviously gives Andrea the uh, the yeah. eye I think he might even make some sort yeah. of like common yeah. growl yeah <laughs> flicks a cigarette at Bruce's car as it drives off yeah um, and Bruce is going to you know he's having a look at the cave and so saying, wow, you know, the number of bats that came out of this, it must be, you know, humongous. Mm. And sees poor Alfred and basically, you know, Andreas returned the ring to him. Um which and well, it kinda of like sealed the fate, hasn't it, basically? We see a shot of uh Alfred's uh, sort of shot of Bruce Bruce and Bruce's parents, the the painting. But this is probably the scene that visually, uh, you know, the music is just wow. I think it's wow. Wow. Wow is the word. It's like if you wanted to sum Batman up, this is the scene. It, it is. And it, it's the, the cave. It's pitch black. We can see some, you know, Bruce is putting on the belt and he's literally in complete shadow. Yeah. All he can see his outline and he puts his hand out to be handed, you know, the cowl to put on. And I love the sound it makes, you know, when it makes, yeah. when he, he slips it on and it just goes. Yeah. And it's the, the, the way of it's handed to him by Alfred. He pulls it on, but it's the moment when he turned round and I've mm. got it in front of me right now. And Alfred's eyes just go wide yeah. and, just, and Bruce's eyes in, under the cowl go to slits. And it's that comment of when Alfred's going, my God. And you see, Al, you know, the NC Bruce. Well, as you put it, he's not walking. He's gliding. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> and then I, I swear, I swear. 
I have that that scene in my head from when I probably first saw this when mm. I was four, and that stuck with me. I think it's stuck with every Batman fan. And it's I, also the thing that I always feel that when you're looking at that iteration of the costume, mm. it's going to be the the whole black and grey look. Yeah. None of the blue with and the and the oval thing. It will be that whole really dark look, which yeah. again got slightly revisited in the Batman, uh, the new animated series that continued. But I mean, God, that is just—it's Batman to a T. But then it cuts to the thing you you highlighted on earlier, which was uh, Sal going to the the now very dilapidated. Uh, World's Fair, Gotham World's Fair, and it tells you how bad things are at this point because we're talking about high-level gangsters here who are getting offed. Yeah, um, and it's it, the scariest pretty, thing in the city. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like basically, Sal is like he's come to this conclusion because I think you even hear him say, "If there's only another way." Or yeah. there's any other way, and he goes in, and there's the Welcome to the Future statues playing and singing, and they get machine gunned down. <laughs> and as I, I think uh, we said this last time, it plays like this weird wind down music, which is the wind down music of the Millennium Falcon winding down. And you're gonna ask yourself, why is the Millennium Falcon wind down important? Well, who steps out of the shadows? But who is the worst possible person they could go to, Sean, for help? <laughs> and I'll let you describe. Well, um, who, who is who is the worst scenario you could think of in Batman? Yet the most iconic villain, but Mark Hamill's Joker. Um, <laughs> you know, he's. He steps out of this, you know, dark shadow and this brightly coloured, you know, um, sort of this brightly coloured brash figure steps out and says, I hate that song. Um, And I think I said to this this to you last time, James, that I I don't know when Joker's favour was broadcast, the episode. I don't know if it was Mm. a year, year before or after. But I think, at least for this film, it's the first time the Joker is treated as a legitimate threat. Like he's not uh, just um, the Joker causing trouble just for the sake of it. He's he's feared by yeah. the criminal underbelly and obviously the people of Gotham. Um, he doesn't even have to raise his voice for people to be absolutely terrified. And um, we get, and this is a, another scene that sticks in my memory when I was younger, you know, the, the dilapidated world's fair and um, the Joker, you know, oh, greets Sal the Weezer Valestra <laughs> with almost open arms. And as that, um, uh, lovely line. Um, can it be Sal Louisa Valestra? It's uh, true, and it, it it's also the interesting thing you just said about him being. And I'm looking at it now, and it, it only really hit me now. It's everything else around them, the way everyone else dresses. Certainly, they've seen it's dark, it's miserable, it's dank, it's horrible. 
Mm. And the only palette of real colour is the Joker. He stands out against everything. You know, he's got that gassy white skin, green hair. He wears purple. Mm. And it's his, his whole reaction with, like, you know, Valestri. It's like, my, you know, my house, he says, me casa se su casa. You know, like, my house is your house. Throws him into, like, a thing and says, like, it'll be a bump. Oh, right. Watch the vibes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah, and he's like, it's on like a monorail, isn't it, going around yeah. the, the the world of the future, and then which terrifies it. Sal, and takes, <laughs> and they end up in the the house of the future. Which bloody hell, if that's house of the future in this condition, you don't want to uh, live there. But I'll also love the bit when he comes out and the, the little yappy dog <laughs> down rusty <laughs> kicks it across the, <laughs> the room. My home security system yeah. down rusty, <laughs> and it just flat. <laughs> Flies across the room. Uh, and it's that um, comment of you can't be care- too careful all those weirdos around yeah. <laughs> coming from him. <laughs> it's, and it's just the little chuckle he gives when he's walking away. Uh, I also uh, have a moment of fear when he comes to the, the goes to the table with the chopping robot Hazel. Yeah, yeah. Hazel. So like you can't can't help who you fall in love with. You don't think he does weird sexual stuff with it, do you? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised with Mark Hamill's Joker. I think he's the, he's the one Joker you think can can do anything, really. It's also interesting going back to what you said that he's treated as a threat. But what I also find very very interesting this is he's completely alone. So yeah. he has no weird hench people. He has no Harley Quinn, no no hyenas sort of thing. And all the gangsters have got like backup. Yeah. He doesn't need anything because he just lives on his reputation alone. Because um, no one knows who he is. No one knows how he operates or why he operates. Um, you think like, how long has the Joker been in the shadows watching Sal, watching all these gangsters get offed? And mm. Obviously, he knows like Sal was going to come and see him. Yeah, because he's saying like, because Sal's saying to him, you know, all oh, everyone's getting off by the Batman. Um, and like, it really tickles mm. the Joker's saying, I've been seeing all Guano man's like, you know, wound tighter than whatever. So I think would it be great at finally driven him off the end. And he loves the fact that he could have done it. He could have made Batman go crazy and start killing people. Mm. And, it's this. I love the foreshadowing bit when Sal starts saying to Batman's knocking us off, and he's the only. And again, it's the point you you were sort of saying how dangerous the Joker is. Cause he says you're the only one who can take him down, mm. and he's willing to give me five million up front and whatever else. What I mean, it's like whatever else you want to kill him. What you know, it's that bad, isn't it? That you go to the Joker and the Joker's like, "Well, I'm a pest control. He's disinterested," but it's. The, and it's in front of me now that line of where Sal says to him, and it, it's foreshadowing for this film. I'm not going to spoil it, it's just foreshadowing for the film. He says, Think you fool. Once he gets me, how long will it be till he gets you? Yeah. And, you know, uh, you, and, and he says to him, You know what I'm talking about. Your hands are just as dirty, perhaps even dirtier, and grabs him by the lapels. It's the only time we see Sal suddenly, the adrenaline rush of the fear and the anger, or mainly fear at Sally's feeling. Is where you see him, dis- you know, he, the money goes to the side, he's not wheezing, he just grabs him, doesn't he? And like, 
panic. Yeah, yeah. He's, and then you get that lovely shot of the Joker's face contorting into this snarl for like yeah. two seconds, and you think, oh, because the background goes red because he's he yes. he's red, and he's like, don't touch me, old man. Yeah, I don't know where you've been. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like the Joker's got. I'm thinking too deeply into this, but <laughs> that's how good the film is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Joker's got an inner darkness in him because all all he is is darkness. Yeah. You now he's outwardly he's this colourful character, but he's 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 a he's a coiled spring. Um, he just does things because he he can really. Um, but you know after that. He, t- he says, oh, of course, Sal, I'll help you. Nothing's too good for my pal, Sal. Mm. And then, um, you know, he gives him a we, little smile. <laughs> yeah. And then we know what happened. But it's, uh, and then we obviously cut to Andrea. She's had her, her dinner with Arthur. Yeah. You know, and, but gets, she, she goes back into the apartment and obviously can sense there's somebody waiting for her. Uh, so she gives Bath a kiss to get rid of him. So, so I'm going to have a hard, hard day. And then it's the, the 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 conversation between, you know, Batman who's there and she's clearly, you know, she gives her that she knows it's Bruce yeah. and he's asking for information about her, about what's going on with her father. And she's going, I'm, you know, I know nothing. So I think she's going, well, that's not what you told Arthur. And she says, oh, did you bug me? She goes, no, I can read lips. <laughs> I like the cape. I'm not sure about the mask. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, what a bit when she sort of says, get out, and he goes, I see you're still following your dad's orders. And she says, you know, the only one who's been, who I can see being controlled by the parents is you. I mean, that's biting, and it hits him, doesn't it? You can see, like, slightly withdrawal, you know, withdrawals, uh, withdraws himself backwards, you know, in, in, in shock from that. Um, but and the scene that you know she's having a drink because he's sorry just, what you're saying he's not having an easy time because Alfred's no. biting at him and then yeah. he's got air biting at him so he's a bit like ah <laughs> I think it's more that she's emotionally hit him and you see it when yeah. she seems strong but when he goes she breaks down she breaks down yeah and that that's that's a, another thing because it can be quite hurt. Obviously, it's it's for a family audience. So, with the tones that this film gives, you know, adults and young people and children can enjoy it equally. I feel. Um, I won't show it for anybody to you, but I do like when like you suddenly see the phantasm reappear and it goes to Salva Lestra's yeah. part to kill him, and it's yeah. like. <laughs> she's yeah. dead the joke just kills with this huge crew there's like a video camera going, oh, you're not the Batman he's <laughs> like oh look oh well looks like your face is going to be all over the news not yep. to mention your your head and your spleen, spleen. <laughs> but somehow the, you know just in time, the, the the phantasm jumps out and jumps out and out of this inferno explosion. <laughs> and then some, you know, Alfred, uh, Alfred, sorry, God, that'd be a change. Uh, Brute Batman's, you know, in the Bat Wing, and he goes after mm-hmm. the 
the um, Phantasm, who sounds strangely familiar um, vocally to someone uh, we may have already seen in the, the, the film, but um, the Phantasm said, stay away, this isn't your fight, it's nothing to do with you, and he goes, we've got to stop, it's madness. Police are phoning him, um, and it, this gets pretty hairy, doesn't it? Because he's hiding in a building where there are a load of uh, like gas canisters that the police shoot and explode, and the police are basically going to get uh, the Batman to arrest him, and he takes off his mask, and he's... Um, he tells it's like a, ho- a hobby horse sort of thing or something and it goes up to, to one of the um, helicopters that gets destroyed and Batman manages to make a mistake he's escaped, he's still being chased by the police mm. and as you as you once said, you think someone might recognise the back of his head so it Bruce is this well known billionaire you might twig. You you might do. But uh, uh, seemingly they didn't because you've got, you got policemen chasing him down this alleyway. He goes over the fence, doesn't he? Like you'd think this guy with a torch, even though it was dark, would go, that looks a bit like... No, it couldn't be. Um, but obviously that's why he's got the Playboy image. That's true. But he's very lucky because as he leaps the fence, who's there to save him? What's Andre? And he gets a very peed off bullock because he's the only one who's been willing to run this thing, sweating and looking exhausted because he's not been able to catch Batman. But uh, Andrea, by God, she's turned up in the nick of time. She saves Bruce and, you know, she's she's back at the... um, Back at Wayne Manor. Wayne Manor with him, yeah, and she's basically sort of saying, uh, she gives him a picture of all the the family together. Yeah. Uh, not the family, so it's Bruce, it's a, a dad, Carl, isn't it? And all the um, all the the, the firm that he was with. <laughs> well, yeah, the firm basically a bunch of gangsters, and the, she's saying, well, you know, the world's greatest detective would finally work it out, and it's cuts to the night of when. Uh, Bruce had dropped off after after she'd accepted his engagement, and it's it's the, all the gangsters with uh, her dad, and I forgot that they like put her in like a chokehold, basically, don't they? Because mm-hmm. uh, with her arm behind her back uh, and threatening her, and it's basically that he owes them a load of money, and he's saying, "I will get the money to you tomorrow," and he goes, "You know, you've got until tomorrow. That's it. Anything else happens, we'll we'll kill them." And what's interesting is. The people looking at it who, um, so you've got Valestra, who's now dead, but the underling who holds her in a lock is the, um, is Bronsky. So all the, the gangsters are all, obviously we're all working together and must have split off to become more powerful. Yeah. Um, in the, in the future. Um, they all, they all connection. Yeah, but uh, but Carl starts saying we're gonna have to go. We've got no other way out of this. We're gonna have to leave. You know, and she even says, you know, Bruce has asked me to marry him. I've accepted. He goes, nope, we're gonna have to go. What I (laughs) I highlighted this last time when I was speaking to you. She's engaged to a billionaire. (laughs) Ask him for money. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm sure you'd be able to get the loan off him and you wouldn't have to go on the lamp and run the risk of being killed. (laughs) (laughs) Bruce, like, because obviously her father must have heard that he's a billionaire, a bloody zillionaire, like Wayne Enterprises. He's like, oh no, we can't bother him, we've got to go. Um, And they go on the run, don't they? And um, Do we get... We get a shot of the car pulling well, away. Uh, uh, you see them running away, but then when it cuts to the present, mm. uh, Bruce is smooching again with Andrea, which Alfred just wanted in on and has to leave. But we again, now this is the thing that's interesting. It's heavily implied that, well, it's not heavily implied. It's quite obvious that Bruce and Andrea have spent the night together. Not something you would expect in a cartoon. No, no. Did you see um, the morning after shot of them, yeah, yeah, and she sat out in his, in his shirt, I suspect, or something like that. And uh, I think I was saying to you, you know, there's coffee there. And um, Dana Delaney herself said, "If only I look that good in the morning." Um, <laughs> just sunning, sunning herself by the waves. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and it's all going well. It's and all going so well. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the house of the future. Um, it, it is literally the house of the future. Um, and then, you know, we get Bruce saying goodbye to Andrea, saying, have a, have a lovely day at work. Uh, and, then, um, and then we get we get a scene with Bruce looking over the picture of yeah. Andrea's father and the uh, Andrea... Well, Carl, Carl and his firm, um, and Alfred comes to his shoulder and says, something wrong, sir. Um, and then Bruce looks again at this photo and sees as a ho- horrific realisation. Well, he's not entirely sure, is he, at first? Because you see the, 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 a younger gangster there. He's going, I'm not quite sure. And he draws on the picture with a red pencil. And he's like, oh, no. Oh, no. Literally, oh, no. Yeah. Um, and that's, it's kind of like what the flashbacks do throughout the film. But this is in the present. And that act of him drawing, you know, the lips on the photo it kind of solidifies his future mm. in a way. I, I, I was looking at it earlier thinking it's, it's kind of like it, it solidifies, it solidifies is, is what he's got to do. We've got Alfred and Bruce and he's just bid farewell to Andrea. Um, and he's looking over this photograph, isn't he? And, uh, and it, it's the moment of real realization, isn't it? The hits on, yeah. Because uh, as we said, he picks up the, you know, picks up a red pencil, yeah, draws a smiley face on one of them. He's like, oh no. <laughs> I do, I find it funny that like all he has to do is do that to put the pieces together. Yeah, just like it's not, it's not even you know artistic. It's just like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> After that, I love how it cuts to Arthur and uh, he's going, what do you mean? We had all these people on him. He's still lost him. He's on the telephone. And then it 
it, that line of and to think we pay our you know taxes to fund those clowns and the shot it cuts to of the joker stood in the doorway through lightning <laughs> yeah which is obviously a nod i mean the whole introduction is like a nod to that scene when you first see the joker in bat eight batman 1989's cut when he's yes. he sees you know he's a, he's a, drew, uh, introduce himself to carl grissom but how does it all interlink you know the phone rings it's andrea and like um i just love like the way that the joke's like not the babe you know talk to her the babe <laughs> Because he sort of says to me, you know, I've seen this guy. He's not Batman. He looks like the ghost of Christmas future. He's nowhere cute as Batboy. And it's that way that he's gone, like, we're discussing, you know, uh, Carl, the spawn of his loins <laughs> happens to be on the phone. And then it cuts to the, the, you know, he starts attacking him, clearly. Cuts yeah. to maniacal laughter. And he, um, you see him stab to inject uh, Arthur, don't you, with... Um, joker toxin and he's at hospital oh then shows him in hospital laughing his head off and they they obviously sedate him to calm him down and which kind of works apart from what next happens and i'll let you i just find it funny like the all the doctors and the nurses trying to hold him down and they get him sedated they get him more or less calm and then there's an open window onto like a veranda and who should show up? Yeah. <laughs> Batman. And it's just Arthur's little squeal of, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just sets him off again, doesn't it? And it's yeah. the fact that he's, you bet, but he, Batman forces him for a, for a little bit of time to calm down. He, sat, he sent him like, why did the Joker meet with you? Why did this happen? And he starts saying, um, I don't. I knew nothing about it. He goes, and he's saying you've been fully involved with these people. What happened? Mm, that's not that. That's not the answer I wanted. Yeah. And he said, and it basically comes apparent that he sold his money farther out. Yeah, and he's he's saying I used them to get money. Mm. He's going, so you sold him to the mob, and he's going, I was broke, I was desperate, I had nothing, and then I as oh, thought, oh, he just sort of like you know carries on laughing because. Batman leaves and like he's going crazy again. They went, Councilman, please. And I only got this as an adult that I'm pretty sure he basically left him to die. To die. Mm. Uh, everyone in this film with the phantasms that or the Joker's had contact with has been killed. Mm. <laughs> and then, you know, Bruce goes to. I think it's supposed to be Andrea's apartment or the one she, or the hotel room she's in, yeah. you know, and he, he sees, a, finds the locket that had been there, locket, mm-hmm. um, goes in telephone rings, uh, which he answers and it's the Joker. And he's sort of saying, uh, <laughs> with the plane of the future, that's going to make him history. Yeah. <laughs> it's, well, it's just that kind of listen to your boots. Listen you never call, you never write, but I've got a soft spot for yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> It really fits in with that 1930s, 40s aesthetic and feel, doesn't it? Yes, and then, but he sounds like a, a bomb tied to like a weird plane, but it's like you said, there's no point jumping out the window this time. And it, everything like, but that comment when it goes off somehow, because Bruce, uh, 
where Batman explodes it with a battering before it hits him, but he's going, hello, hello, operator, hello, I believe my party is disconnected. disconnected. <laughs> 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 it cracks me up. He do, the Joker doesn't need, need to be in scenes long to make an impact, does he? Let's be honest, but, he's just brilliant. Very true. Fantastic. But it then cuts to Andrea and she's back and the, the whole thing revolves around the, the, the Gotham World's Fair, but she has the flashback to um, turning up at where it was she lived with her dad. Yeah. And opens a, the door opens and it's a gangster, isn't it? Who, um, well, it's the Joker, isn't it? Yeah. As he once was. Mm. And then one thing I want to ask James, do you think mm. well do you think it's before his accident or after and he's just got makeup on? No, I think it's way before his accident and I think he's a lot younger. Um and I think it's more of a nod to the bat eighty nine iteration where it was Napier. So I think if you imagine it's way before anything happened to him, uh that turned him into the Joker. I think he's just a, cause he's a, he looks a little bit different cause he looks, you know, obviously, well, a little bit, a lot different to the Joker, but he's sort of thinner. I think he's meant to be younger. Um, I think he's just meant to be a younger, nasty gangster assassin. sort. um, and you see that obviously he's killed Carl. Yeah. Cause he's saying, you know, he's paid, he's paid him. She goes in here going down and hear a scream. Like he even takes the time just to scoop up an apple and eat it. Cause obviously it means nothing to him. Mm. Um, according to the present, you know, he's got, it goes to the world's fair and the joke is using Hazel, the, the, the robot woman <laughs> of the future to <laughs> chop up baloney for him. And, uh, Making weird sexual innuendos, going, you know, feeling the, oh, the old electric, and it goes typical, you know, just when you get the mood, someone shows up and it's the, the phantasm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just when you get in the mood, company shows up. She's like, your angel of death awaits. You go, uh, you know, think you're going to get killed, and it's going, lay down in press, you had it to kill at a cockroach on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> she's going you figure it out pulls off the costume he's going costume's a bit theatrical but who am I to talk <laughs> and, then, uh, and then we get a bit of a scuffle with Andrea and the Joker well it's also the fact that she tries to use the smoke I mean, and it has an impact, but he's going, I can like blow smoke too and hits with acid, yeah. which like, melts off a blooming, uh, like the side arm thing. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite a, it's probably quite a violent fight. Cause like she knees him in the, in the yeah. groin, which, you know, <laughs> means he can't fight. And then he, he turns, uh, Hazel, the robot on her to fight her. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's quite a, with a kitchen knife. <laughs> yeah. It's quite a thing, and like while that the fight's going on, I mean, even wax with the balloons away fighting. Yeah, when he oh god! <laughs> I was going to make a comment about that, but I won't. Um, uh, and then yeah. he's, but it's like he's going to kill her with a fan, isn't he? Like this giant turbine, sort of saying, "Do you want to pick me up?" And it, it is about to suck her into the fan to kill her, but thankfully, Batman, Batman appears. Bat bike. <laughs> yeah. 
which he has to use to like destroy it. He like launches the bike into it, yeah. and it's it's fitting that you end up at this in this location again. Mm. This thing that's been that that's been sort of important on everybody. But it's interesting that also that the Joker seems to have like set up house there. Yeah. Maybe not even realizing that it's the it's the thing that's gonna have some much uh, importance for for Bruce and Andrea, and he you know he, he lays down the the situation with with a Batman. He's saying your dad's dead. You know it's all a lie. And shift the blame onto him. When, yeah. Yeah. And that well, she, she has she has that line about like you know they took everything from me. They took what they took everything what we could have what we could have had. Yeah. He says, What what does he say, James? Well, it's it's the fact that, you know, she saw she even said I mean to me this is a hell again, I, I know I keep saying this, but these are very impactful emotional yeah. scenes. Yeah. And she's saying to him, you know, I'm not saying it's right or normal or sane and saying you've got to get get out of my way to let me do this. Look what they did to us, look what we could have had. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to pay. And she, you're saying, but Andy, what will vengeance solve? And it's that thing when she says, well, if anyone knows the answer to that, Bruce, it's you. And again, he only recoils there. Yeah. With the shock. And he's begging it. He's pleading with her to leave. And she's just, you know, she goes away in the puff of smoke trick she's got. But he, 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 again, these are difficult things to, from an emotional standpoint, to me, this is one hell of an emotional film. It is, and the lines are spoken with such seriousness and such mm. care. There's no, it's not melodramatic, it's not too much, it's honest. And it's like what we were saying earlier about, like, this doesn't feel like a cartoon. No. It just happens to be drawn. This is a proper film, as is, you know, the animated series. It's, it's an animated film. Yeah, it's, you know it's it's played just as much as a live action film would be, except it's hand drawn and beautifully mm-hmm. hand drawn. Because um, all these characters just feel so three dimensional. Yeah. Mean, particularly Bruce's and Andrea's relationship throughout the film, mm. it just feels so sincere and just so tangible, really. Because they they are they react like normal people. You can you can easily imagine a relationship like that in the in real life. You can, and but of course you've gone from that scene of the real emotional situation between these two people to just the, the you know up pops the craziness that is the Joker again yeah. taunting Batman <laughs> to follow him into like the model <laughs> village which even has the Warner Brothers symbol on one building. Yeah. But you taught me something, or you told we did, you taught me something last time. You educated me about, and you can explain it again, something to do with King Kong in this that I'd not made a link to. Yeah, and, uh, well, I think it's it's more King Kong than Godzilla, really. Because um, they have, they, they go into this model village, and you get um, that lovely shot of the Joker it looks like he's looking through one of the buildings at the Joker, at, at, at Batman, but he, it looks like 
it looks like he's looking through the glass at Batman, but it turns out he's wearing one of the buildings as a hat. And he's Which just, is clearly based on the Empire State Building as well as its design. Yeah, yeah. Well, he doesn't do things by half, does he? The Joker. He's got he's to be the tallest building there is in America. Um, and, yeah, and then we get, I like to think, an homage to King Kong and Godzilla because we've got that great confrontation where, you know, Batman has a great Joker. Like, well, you do it better, James. Go on. Well, it's the way that he he, he, he goes to 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 uh, they have a fight. And he just goes Joker. Yeah. And then, he, but he when he socks him, this is the the thing that elevates it beyond something that be children for me. Is he knocks some of his teeth out? There's blood, yeah. and you've seen yeah. that earlier on. There's been blood and violence, and you see the tooth fly out of his mouth. Yeah. And. God, like, even just seeing blood in the animated series, that's a treat. But in the film, you see, like, you know, body parts get dislodged and, you know, teeth, cuts, bruises. Um, and that, it, as you say, it elevates it to another level. Um, but the, the homage to King Kong and Godzilla, because you've got play, the planes of the future flying everywhere, and they're obviously really small. Uh, so the planes have been set to attack Batman. He's fending those off like King Kong. Um, and they take a chunk of his arm out as well, yeah. don't they? And he's blending. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I just made that connection when I was watching it. I was like, this is like King Kong. And hang on a minute. That's a Warner Brothers property, isn't it? And it's, it's also interesting how, like, the Joker jumps on top of a train, which he sort of, like, rides as almost like a skateboard thing. Skateboard, yeah, Just, yeah. And, <laughs> and sets off, like, a bomb. Because mm. uh, Bruce is getting, like, well, Batman's getting attacked by trains, the trains. you know, the plane, like, the whole lot of it. With the hazel with the kitchen knife. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, Joker taunts him to basically says that there's dynamite bombs under the whole thing. We're all You're never going to get me. Mm. You're going to die. We're all, you know, and he go, he, he gets uh, a jetpack to get out and somehow Batman, well, Batman runs up the side of like a, a giant um, collapsing actually um, rocket and manages to, 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 to jump onto him and the jetpack and he's sort of to weigh him down. He's going, and it's that moment you realize Batman will, you know, to stop the jokes, you'll do whatever he has to. Because he's saying, you don't know when to quit, do you? Mm. He's saying, you know, you idiot, let me go. You know, we're both going to die. And he says, you know, if that's what it takes. Yeah. He's, he's not, he's not fooling around anymore. It's like, if, if that, if it means getting rid of the Joker, then, you know, he, he's willing to sacrifice himself just to stop him. And, but of course, they, they, they both land. Yeah. Awkwardly. But Andrea reappears and grabs the Joker. Punches him. saying, get out of him. <laughs> yeah. And it's just that sad moment when he's saying, you, you know, to Andrea, you've got to go. And she goes, no way. This ends tonight. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, goodbye, my love. And then everything, you know, explodes and leads to one of the best Joker laughs in history. <laughs> Yeah, because he's he, he, he just he's so insane, isn't it? That he's yeah. 
just like <laughs> everything's going going to pot everything's blown up and he's it's everything he's ever wanted and he just expresses yeah. that in a big laugh and then Andrea or the phantasm or the phantasmic Andrea takes the Joker away seemingly in a puff of smoke as everything explodes, thankfully, or lucky, depends how you look at it, uh, Bruce ends in the sewer. Is that good or bad? Well, it's kept him alive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> out, jump in the sewer. <laughs> and send him out to, like, I don't know, see you the lock or something, everything's exploding. And then uh, to, to impress that the emotional impacts are part of this film, as I know I keep saying it, but, you know, when Alfred, he sat, and in the back cave, he's taking the calf and he's saying to Alfred, I couldn't save her. Mm. Um, and, all throughout this film, you know, Alfred's had like little smart comments, you know, the father and son relationship. But it's the, this last scene with him is just lovely. Yeah, uh, it's and it, it, it it's very it's incredibly well done. It's also slightly painful to watch, but he saw that moment when he says to him, "Vengeance blackens the soul, Bruce." So it's no Master Wayne. It's no, it, it's it's Bruce. Well, it's, it's a father talking to his son, pretty much, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The 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 Englishman kind of slips mm. with him, and he's just like he just he takes him. Alfred takes Bruce under his wing and he just says, it's okay. Yeah, because he, he takes him by the, you know, puts his hands on his shoulder and he starts saying, I, I always fear you become that which, he, you know, you fought against. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thank heaven that, that, you know, every night that doesn't happen. But Andrea fell into that pit years ago. And, wow, you know, the emotional hit mm-hmm. of that. And he could stop her. And but something you know, tinkling, you know, twinkling in the corner. Bruce runs to 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 find the locket. Andrea has somehow got the locket in the cave, and it, it's a very sad scene because you know Bruce is completely alone again, apart from Alfred, and it cuts to a from that scene to a a, a ship somewhere. And a ballroom, and everyone's having fun and they're happy. And a drunk chap he wanders out yeah. his party hat on and sees an attractive woman stood alone on the ship, and he fancies his chances. Obviously, stands next to her, and it's uh, he says, "You know, it's quite a sight." And sadly, the woman says, "Yes, it is," and he can obviously sense the sadness from her because he immediately changes his, you know conversation with it saying do you want to be alone and it cuts to the woman and we see it's Andrea and she's saying I am and she's even got a veil on yeah a morning veil yeah yeah so and it, it, that's another it ends on quite a bleak note doesn't it yeah and that side of the story it's just it's not there's no there's no hope at all for her it's like and it's yeah. It's like Batman may be alone, but he's found a purpose, mm. and that that shoulders him. But because she went out to seek purely vengeance, because she felt it was unfair, 
she's ended up with nothing, no one supporting her. It's true, and it's interesting also when you watch it that she has got her head bowed in grief. And when you cut to Batman, his head, head, his head bowed in the same way, and then it cuts to him having to, you know, he, he, the 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 bat signal has gone off, and he does the grappling, and he goes off to 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 fight crime again, and it cuts to uh, to to fades to black, and it's the the music usage in this film is just beyond. To me, mm. it's phenomenally good. And the soundtrack was something I'd sought for many years and couldn't get. And I remember when I first saw this, it then goes to, uh, you have the, the very atmospheric work of Shirley Walker's composer, and it cuts to uh, a sort of poppish song called you, I, you never, I Never Even Told You. And initially, I, th- I remember saying this to you last time, I never thought that it was particularly good. But when you listen to the actual lyrics of the song, you realize that it fits the film like a glove and the music. I, I really like it now. And it was, it was actually done by, um, uh, T career who worked on the, uh, Wayne's world films. Oh. Who's a, you know, who played his girlfriend in and she's a, I mean, she's a fun, phenomenally good singer. But as I said, coming, it took me a while to come to this film. I never sort of really, I think, became aware of it until um, I was in sort of my mid-teens when I saw it on TV. And I just thought, wow, this is, you know, this is a very well put together film. So the question I would always ask is, what would you give this out of five, Sean? Uh, out of five, I would give this, I'd give it a f- Four point five. Ooh, so why a four point five? What would you do better? Is there anything you could in fact think they could do better for that point five that you uh, that you feel it, it it is slightly lacking? Yeah. Uh, well, I'd, well, I'd, I'd say it it could be longer, but the time the time it's it's just over an hour and fifteen minutes, isn't it? And um, to be honest, you don't. Not a moment is wasted. Um, I give it a four point five because I just think not a lot of people regard it as much. Um, I just think like it should, it should be given a lot more of a um, recognition. So I'd give it four four point five. No, I definitely agree with you. One of the things I would say um, about this film, I I would give it 4.5 or even a 5. I think it possibly could be controversial to say, but I think it's possibly one of the greatest Batman stories. Yes, um, I agree. That we would probably ever see. Well, go on, James. Well, I was going to say that I find it interesting when you show it to people because... I never got a chance to see this on the big screen, but my friends Linda and Jen had, have like a big projector thing they use uh, and a very good sound system. They have everything hooked up to. So I said to them one day, could I watch my Blu-ray of Mask of the Phantasm? And they, you know, they let me watch it. And, you know, they were honest to me because it was a cartoon. They were a bit unsure how it would go. But Jen had said, you know, at the end of it, I felt really sorry for Batman because obviously the emotional sort of trauma he has to go through and Lyndon himself said yeah I'd initially been a bit sceptical but 
I really thought it was a good film. It's really well done. And I would probably say giving it a 4.5 to even a 5 because I just think it's really, really well done. I don't think we will see much, even with the live action stuff, that will ever match up to that sort of story. No, because it goes beyond the story, really, because I think people really like that style mm-hmm. of, you know, the animated series, you know, the Bruce Tim technique as it's known and it's kind of like it's 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 a good mixture of real and unreal it's like these characters even though the you know 2d flat drawn pencil animations and um, they're animated so well they're given such good characterization the voice cast in you know in this film and in the animated series is always good um this film is a good example of why you should watch the animated series or why you should like Batman. I don't think we can put it any better than that. I think you're giving us possibly the best signing off point ever, Sean. So I'm just going to say, I think we've been talking enough cods, well, and certainly enough celluloid cods, well, so get yourself out there, ladies and gentlemen, salty tadpoles. Grab yourself a copy of Batman Mask of the Phantasm on Blu-ray or DVD. Um, And without further ado, uh, uh, I've been James. I've been Sean. Have a good one, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.